This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. It's Monday. It's Derek Taylor filling in for Cam Poitras. Of course, Jim Toth rocking the Payne Stewart on a Monday morning after winning the U.S. Open look. Is that what I'm going <laughs> on here? Like it's too, you're too, I don't know, you're Payne Stewart, but you're too, uh, too tired to put your contacts in. So you're wearing glasses. You got the flat hat. You got it going on, Toth. The glasses are simply so I can see. But, uh, yeah, no contacts today. And this hat is what has been referred to as the poor boy, poor boy reporter hat, I guess, from the 20s. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, why yeah. does he have to be poor? Maybe he's rich if he's delivering papers. I don't know. But, yeah, I love this hat. Thank you for noticing. You're the only one who notices. I, I notice. You know, I sit here with Cam. Sometimes he calls me Joe. He doesn't know, <laughs> you know. Cam's off for a few days, so i got to give him a hard time. Jim Toth, rocking the newsy look. Great for you to be here, though, uh, eh? How's, so, how's your Monday compared to Friday? So uh, let's just recap where we were on Friday here on Jets at Noon. At any point you want to chime in, tell us what you liked from the weekend. 12 goals is probably high on your list. 204-780-6868. On Friday... I was in this exact same seat going, oh, my God, it's over. Burn it down. Sell everybody. It can't happen. The Flames are going to the playoffs. Oh, my God. This is the worst K, worst playing ever. Oh, my goodness. You were like, Derek, calm down. Just relax. They can win. Things can go their way. Take it easy, man. How uh, dramatically different. I'll just pose this to you. How dramatically different do you feel today versus how you felt on Friday? Well, I still don't think it's over. Like, I, 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 I think that the team has gotten back to the way I believe they can play, and it's because that's what I've seen them do for three months, from October till January. And they've played extremely well. They've played good defensive hockey, which leads to more offense in my mind. But they play with pace and energy, and when you do that and the lulls come into a game or the pressure from another team comes in where you're hemmed in, um, the way to get that back is to have some energy and pace and, and I don't want to say urgency, but some some effort in your game. Yeah. And I just hadn't seen that. I, I saw some a ton of lethargic overpassing, wait for things to come, not use your time and space to create lanes to the net, but wait for them to open up and hope that they do kind of play. And lethargic is kind of the way I describe that and the power play. I think Rick Bonus deserves a lot of credit for this because most coaches I know with seven games to go and a ton on the line, ride your horses and you go, I know it's not working. And we know the comments from San Jose game that were contradictory to what the team wants from Mark Shifley and everything else. I roll engage. Yeah. I, I think you sort of address those. And I think a lot of coaches, not all, but a lot of coaches would have just said, here we go again against Detroit. Show me your pride, as Coach Bonus said, all that. I think he deserves some credit for this move. This move with Mark Shifley to the wing will be heavily debated for a long time and well into the summer. And I think Mark Shifley deserves a lot of the credit for making this move work over the weekend for two games. Um, but I kept watching the game on Friday and then yesterday against New Jersey thinking a lot of coaches would have left this as it was and said, I'm going down with my big guns one way or the other. Not a lot of coaches would take a center that's only been here, or forward for that matter, who's only been here for a couple of weeks and make him your second-line center. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't, I think that, you know, if it doesn't work, 
fair enough and all that, but it's worked. And what it's so done, far. what it's done so far, that's why I say it's not over yet, but what it's done so far is it's created some energy here. It's created some um, um, wherewithal of the game to move and to have energy and to have pace. So I think, you know, Rick Bonus and a lot of people, and I understand it, I'm kind of in the boat of don't call him a genius yet. Like they've still got yeah. these five games left. But I do just think he deserves credit for making this move. I'm stuck on it's a hard ask to get your number one center to go to the wing. Now, Rick Bonus was on the pregame show on Friday with Paul Edmonds on 680 CJOB and said to him, Mark was on board. And I told him outright that if Mark doesn't, if you don't want to do this, we don't have to, but this is what I see the best thing for the team right now. And he agreed to do it. So what, and, what else will coach say? And that's, well, he's not going to look chuck a guy under the bus. So yeah, but you don't want to build a statue quote unquote for a guy who does what his coach asks of him. Yeah. But again, back to Tuesday in San Jose, he's been asking you to do certain things for a while <laughs> and you haven't. Hey guys, uh, shoot the puck on the goal. Don't force too many passes in the offensive zone. Don't pass it directly to the other team. Maybe find you, a guy and pick him up. You mentioned the, the, the hustle and the want to Blake Wheeler with an awful offensive zone giveaway chases the guy down at the blue line, uh, takes it back, turns the other way, and it ends up being the 2-0 goal in the game against the Jersey. Well, that was Adam go, Lowry who got it back. Adam Lowry. But, but yeah. Wheeler, Wheeler's but Wheeler racing back. Around, yeah. Right, Lowry with the hustle play to lift the stick. But Wheeler turns it around, and bing, boom, boom, and it's in the goal. And but you that's, go, okay, that, yeah, that's that's the play we've been wanting as Jets fans. It's two games. It's 12 goals. It's 11 even strength goals, which 12 goals is big, but knowing 11 of them came even strength. Yeah. And this wasn't overwhelmingly the power play is fantastic. 12 goals in two games is as many goals as they'd scored in the previous blank number of games. Eight? Eight games Eight. worth of goals in two nights. So it's okay to feel a little bit giddy about, about where things are. But I mean... They were shooting the puck on the goal. They were getting rebounds. Blake Wheeler was digging in on the end boards, feeds it to Ehlers, who then goes, thank you for the easiest goal I'll score this season. They had in those two games, we'll discuss quality of opponent in a moment and, you know, how the schedule played in their favor in a moment. But for those two games and those 120 minutes, that was what we've been waiting for. Like you said, eh, probably since January. So the flip side of this conversation is if they don't, get those two wins. It's a, it's a like, I know we're not planning a parade yet and rightfully so. And, and we shouldn't, but also if they don't get those wins or they split, um, it's yep. a much different conversation too. The point I'm trying to emphasize here is it's the fashion in which they won. It's the fashion in which they scored 12 goals. Yeah. And it's because there was some pace and energy in their game. And I know that sounds ridiculous because if you're an athlete at any level, go to a 10-year-old hockey rink and try to tell him not to have pace and energy. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? But I know, but it happens. And the problem is, is what we've been hearing is, and I'm I'm very critical of Mark Shifley. They need him at this time probably just as much as anybody else on this roster, including Morrissey, Hellebuck, all that. They need him. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very critical of his game. And I've never seen a number one center disappear like that in a three-week period at the most crucial time of the year, to be honest with you. But that being said, he deserves some credit for moving to the wing and finding his game, just like Blake Wheeler did, just like Pierre-Luc Dubois has. Nick Ehlers was sensational on the weekend. But the thing, Derek, is, is there were still some turnovers, right? There were still some mistakes. 
But to your point of that Lowry play that, you know, on the power play at the end of it, Wheeler makes a pass through the center yesterday afternoon. It's picked off. It's going the other way. Hull is coming out of the penalty box for the Devils. It's a three-on-one. Yeah. If there isn't some hustle and some pace and some energy in the game to get that puck back. And I'll go back to the San Jose game when Mark Scheifele got the puck taken off him, and all he did for a skate was have a hand on the guy's back while they scored a goal compared to forecheck, backcheck, get the puck, slow the guy down. It's that kind of effort and pace that you're not going to have 82 games of the year, but good teams have it 65 to 70. And this team has gone probably 30 without it, Yeah, probably 35 to 40 with it, and now here we are with two more. And so it, they have to harness it and they have to keep going with it. And maybe the lineup changes deserves it. But for everybody who's been critical, we've been talking about the entire top six, not just Mark Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers, everybody. They had that. And that's what we saw was some energy to defend. And when you defend on this team with Connor Hellebuck, you're going <laughs> yeah. to do good things. They almost gave the Devils their first shutout of the season. Only a last second goal uh, kept that from being uh, the line changes. Uh, Connor, PLD, Shifley, Connor, two goals and an assist. PLD, one and one. Shifley, one and two in the two games. Uh, Ehlers, Nemesnikov and Wheeler. Ehlers with three goals and an assist. Nemesnikov, three apples, and Blake Wheeler with one goal and three assists. Wheeler talking about uh, working with Nemesnikov as his center. It, it reminds me a lot of, you know, sort of towards the end of last year when, uh, you know, me, Nikki, and, and Stas played together. Uh, you know, Vladdy's such a smart player. He's always in the right spot. Um, he's a really easy guy to read off of. Wants to play a, a two-man game. You know, he's not a guy that's, you know, needs the pucker, wants the puck all the time. You know, he wants it. He'll give it right back to you. And, um, you know, Nikki makes uh, creates so much space, and uh, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm maybe a little bit past the part of uh, creating a ton of space for myself. But to play with a guy that can can put me in situations where I have time and space, you know, I can still still make some plays happen, uh, given those opportunities. And um, yeah, I think it's just uh, three guys that that uh, really gel, and you know, we kind of have all the components you need to have a good line. As Dom hit us up on the text line to say, vintage Blake Wheeler. Last night, I think that's fair. Uses big body to box a guy out, feeds it right in front. Ehler puts it away. That was the one nothing goal, and then it just the one nothing goal from there. Of all the points Wheeler put up on the weekend was the most impressive because he got in and, and he fought for pucks. The puck battles along the boards. That's another thing the top six hasn't done well over the past month. Um, and and I think he deserves credit for that. The, I'm glad you played that comment because something stood out to me that there has been this war with me and some listeners about Blake Wheeler. And people dislike my take on him. People dislike his contract and people think he's a third liner. He's not a third liner, but he has not been playing like a second liner the past month. But he has over 50 points for a 36-year-old guy. And if you can play like this, now Friday I didn't say anything because that's one game. And I'm like, and we were talking about it in the press box yesterday, some of the other media guys and stuff. And I go, so what is this and stuff? And they're just like, you know, uh, Brett Hedigan, the Stanley Cup champion, was on our show last week, and yeah. he said, Blake Wheeler at 36, I was in the best shape of my life at 36, he can still do this. Mark Scheifele at 30 in the prime of his career, they can still do this. But they have to make what he called is a decision. And the decision is you want to just leave it all behind and just go for it right now. And if you make that decision, he goes, I have faith that guys like that can do it. And and so I'm not saying it's over for Wheeler either and that two games reverses the last month or anything like that. But him admitting and I've heard this before, Nolan Baumgartner was one of the great guys. I know we're out of time, but I'll just yeah. briefly touch this. 
Nolan spent a year on the blue line for the Moose after being an all-star and everything and putting up tons of points, getting absolutely hammered on every shift. Like just, and so I, I asked him, I said, what, what is like going on? He goes, I realized last year, the year I got hammered all the time, didn't have points and was injured a lot that I don't have a step anymore. Yeah. And he said, so I'm not that puck. I'm not that moving defenseman. That's going to put up a ton of points, but I can become a defenseman now. And and a stay at home kind Angles of and buttocks and he, and he went on stuff. to have a couple of other great seasons. If Blake Wheeler can understand what he just said, I might not be able to create my own space as well as I used to. But if I can make my if I can play with guys who can create space, I think I can still be effective. That's what Blake Wheeler is. That's the story of me and the University of Men's Men's League basketball team, the <laughs> recreational division. I can't jump, but I got a big Rack butt. division. I hope to get there one day. I can push dudes out of the way. I hope to I play that high. This is the week a week for the Jets. Wednesday versus Calgary. Saturday versus Nashville. We'll talk about two monster matchups as we continue with Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Your one-minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. All right. Sarah, who I have learned does not like movies but likes TV. Is there a TV star, as I watch his show Unstable on Netflix, which is pretty funny. Is there a TV star who has aged better than Rob Lowe? Yeah, that's true. I love Rob Lowe. Can we think of any? One, he's hilarious. (laughs) Two, I fell in love with him, obviously, when he comes back to the West Wing. Back in the day, but he did a show with Fred Savage where he was the star brother. It was just a complete mess. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen him in 911, but in Unstable with his kid, he's funny again. Uh, can you think of any TV star, any actor or actress who's aged as well as Rob Lowe has? I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind. I mean, I he's movie, but Ryan Reynolds, Canadian, of he's, course. He's so. aging well. He's aging well. He's Welcome to Reximus on TV. So. Good jeans there. Oh, Good jeans, Beautiful yes. man. I feel like I need somebody just slightly down the, the genetics line from him, though, to, to be even more handsome. Maybe a little pudgier and weighty. Like a double cousin or yeah. something like that? Double something. Rob Lowe, 59 distant. years old. 59. Good Lord. How come his face never moves, Rob Lowe's? Well, it's that's, called Botox, Jim. Yeah. Oh. But honest to goodness, right. episode one of this Botox. new show, uh, he's just standing there naked, and you go... 59, what? hey? 59. Please let me look like that at 59. You want me to stand here naked? I'll stand here naked. I I confirmed, Sarah, no. Confirmed mem- no mem- on that mem- one. Don't ask Sarah. Go. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Don't What's, ask Sarah. I'm not doing that there. Um, what? what about the outsiders? Like him outsiders? and Tom Cruise and mm-hmm. Matt. If you, if you look at the cast of the outsiders then and now, yeah. a lot of them don't age. No. Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise looks phenomenal. What's Matt Dillon, is it? Matt Dillon, Matt Yeah, okay. Damon. From yeah. something about Mary. But those guys are still, well, Matt Dillon I haven't seen much of since there's something about Mary. Remember when he Tom got Cruise his, is the, the movie star, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Remember when he got his teeth capped and there's something about Mary and, <laughs> yeah. and then he was at the wood at the bar and the guy said, uh, here's your bill. And he goes, I thought it was happy hour. He goes, happy hour ended five minutes ago. Pay up, chomps. Because he just <laughs> oh had those big capped teeth. I haven't seen There's Something About Mary in a few years, and I need to, because it was it was absolutely classic. Thank you, Sarah. That and is thank your you one-minute power play. Never watching movies. No. Yeah. 204-70. power play with Sarah McCarthy. I really got to hit the stinger better. Okay, no, tomorrow I'll do better. 204-70-6868. Ted crushing it on the text line. The two wins this weekend has changed my opinion on this team. 
I'm even more peeved off at them. This weekend shows how talented they are and highlights what they've been capable of all along. They haven't been giving bonus to the fans close to 100% for months. I, I don't mind that. I, I don't mind that, Ted. Well done. Well, this is where the frustration comes, and this is why I, I myself have been taking a beating the last two months. Is I be- This is a good team. This is a very good team. It's a top 10 team in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. I've been saying that for two years. But they have to play the right way. And until they do that, like they have on the weekend, like they did in the first couple of months. Look, the other part about the weekend that stood out to me, DT, was in, in against Detroit, they're up, and they give up two goals in the third. Yeah. And so then the old part of the Jets that they struggled to, to find their way creeps back in. But then they got it back again, right? And that's what I thought was the difference this year more than last um, in the first three months is you would have your lulls still. But this is a team that would have lulls and get hemmed into their own end 8, 10, 12 minutes at a time. Good teams are going to lose momentum. Good teams are going to get caved in for, for a shift or two. But you have to find a way to get it back. And the way you get it back is to move your feet and you have energy and, and go. Um, there was a time yesterday's game as well that uh, New Jersey came on in the second period. New Jersey is a phenomenal second period team. They're not very good in the first. They are outstanding in the second, and they're a very good third period team. They, they're the king of comebacks, and they're very good on the road. And they had a two-shift uh, sustained pressure on the Jets in their end, and I think it was two or three nothing. I can't recall. And then there was a TV timeout. And I thought, well, this will be interesting. Mm. And he sends over the boards against the the line that the 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 New Jersey line of Hughes and them, a Lowry line with Barron and Appleton. And I thought, man, this is who he's looking to to get some some momentum back. So TV timeout, you could have put any line out. They had rest and stuff. But the point to this is is why people go. Why do you think this is such a good team? Because it's a good team that's not playing well in my mind. And albeit this core has had its issues for not only this year, but this season's getting some consistent game together. But they gave up two against Detroit and they found it again. They didn't have a lull against New Jersey. Even when New Jersey was buzzing a bit in the second, but not much. And then in the third, they cleared the net. They, They defend well. Um, they they had so many blocked shots compared to I think their the last two games Kelly Moore was pointing out in the post game that they're two and a half block shots more per game over the weekend games than they have been all season. It's because they're defending well and moving, so they're in lanes. They're allowed to block. They're not reaching. They're not doing. It just the pace and the energy to this team is key that they have to play with it. Why they don't is an absolute mystery to me. Well, and, and that's I, what frustrates uh, texters like Ted and fans is because they want to see effort. Like, there's a point two weeks ago where people said, if they gut this team, will will people buy tickets? And I said, at this point, I think people would buy tickets to watch 20 Nito Niederreiters and Vlad Nemeskovs, <laughs> Adam Lowry's and Morgan Barron go up and down the ice than they would to watch this top six overpass, struggle to get pucks back and stuff. But if you play like you did on the weekend with some energy and some pace to it, you defend better, and when you defend better, it leads to more offense. Yep. That's why I can understand fans being frustrated and thinking it's not a good team because it's almost like a choice. Like, what are you going to bring to the to the rink every day? Here's my contention, and it applies for all the sports, and it's certainly applying in the Jets this season. So much of what we credit to ups and downs and what are you guys doing, you're doing the wrong things on the ice – we could probably give a great portion of that to how is the schedule breaking for you in this moment? As of right now, the schedule is breaking terrifically 
for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Detroit comes to town, second of a back-to-back. Uh, they were in Carolina the night before, I believe. Uh, last night. Chicago. Oh, no, Carolina. They flew across country. Yeah, yeah and then and then uh, last night, New Jersey, Jersey had come Chicago, from Chicago. Yeah. Right? So they're on the second of back-to-back. Some teams can do real well on the second of back-to-backs, but sometimes the schedule plays in your favor. And as Blake Wheeler said post-game, they got a real good break you know, less than a week ago. I think uh, first and foremost, you know, we got a, we played one game in five days, uh, you know, sandwiched with that uh, San Jose game, and um, we were in dire need of a stretch like that. Uh, you know, I think you can't underestimate uh, the toll that the schedule took on us, and um, you know, sounds like an excuse, but I think I think it's a fact. Like we, uh, every everyone was doing the right things. Like guys were prioritizing rest and trying to be ready to go and. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, the wear and tear kind of taking a toll on you. So um, I kind of had had that thought in mind, you know, during that stretch. I, I thought this could be, uh, you know, a, a, something that tips the scales in our favor a little bit. And, um, you know, obviously we've had a couple teams come in here, you know, playing back-to-backs as well. And, and uh, you know, so I think uh, – the, the overriding point is, uh, I think, you know, schedule circumstances of, uh, you know, bounce in our favor a little bit. And I'm very happy Blake said that because so much comes back to that. Oh, uh, in the CFL season, I went through, oh, why are the Hamilton Tiger Cats peaking out? Well, because they're playing terrible football teams. So, of course, they're going to win game. You play the Detroit Red Wings. You should beat them. You play them when they're on back to back and you're on three games in 10 nights. Three games in 10 nights the Jets are on. That's optimal conditions for a 36 year old Blake Wheeler or for Mark Shifley to get it right. Because multiple times a season Toth, they've played six games in 10 nights. And we wondered, Oh, what, how, why did you have any energy? Well, cause I'm dragging some guy up and down the ice for 25 minutes. Well, that's, pace that's exhausting. Like it allows them. I keep using this term and somebody's probably going to make a t-shirt and, and make fun of me for, but pace and energy. That's what it allows you to do. And that's and, what the playoffs allow, right? Because but, there's days off and time to play with. But this team also DT, like they've beaten Tampa Bay twice. Yep. Um, they've played Boston and lost twice, but they lost three, two and three, nothing with an empty net goal and played well against. This is also a team that's lost twice to Columbus. Like, this is also a team that, you know, I can pick the awful teams that they've lost to. They got run around twice by Buffalo in January. They have to consistently get this going. Now, the reason it's a good thing now is because they need it, first and foremost. But secondly, if they can go the last five games with the same kind of pace and energy, they might not win every game, and that's a given with Minnesota and Colorado coming up. But they have to get this part of the game more so than anything else, more so than the goal scoring or the power play in my mind. They have to harness this pace and energy they've gotten if they make the playoffs to go into it with that. If they have that or if they if they don't, you're going to get run out of the building come playoff time. So you have to have this coming in. And you, you have to harness it. And you have to, you know, whatever it is. And it can be sometimes like golf. Like, what are you doing right lately? I don't know. And I don't want to think about it because yeah. – but whatever it is, to me, this is a team that is is north south, and under this Rick Bowman bonus system, they have to forecheck. When they get in on the forecheck, that's when they defend better. That's when they go north south. This whole idea of overpassing, uh, especially on the power play, like the power play only worked once on this weekend, but it looked a ton better because they're not like as Rick Bonus once said, they're not taking a pass, looking 
making another pass, looking. They're just making passes. They're moving the puck. They're crisper. They're cleaner. They still have some turnovers on, on the possession and stuff getting in, but to me it all comes from that. If they have pace and energy, they'll defend better. The defending better will lead to more, more offense. And then it just makes Connor Hellebuck look like he did yesterday against a very good New Jersey team. Well, yeah. And at least, I mean, New Jersey is a, what, 103-point team. So those are performances I look at and go, okay, well, that counts as I forecast this. How you did against Detroit, I I almost don't care because Detroit's not going to the playoffs. But this, see, this is you got to play Vegas or L.A. or, heaven forbid, the Edmonton Oilers who are lighting the world on fire. That's what you got to play. Detroit doesn't matter. Right, Jersey matters. That's a fair comment about Detroit because if they would have played lethargic and lazy, I still think they beat Detroit. But it's yeah. like a three-one game or something like that. Um, I, I heard some from some people on social media when I said, "Man, when after the first period, man, when this team plays with pace and energy." And that's all I said. Like, it's just a different team, right? And I took some kickback from that because they're like, Detroit flew across country. They played last night. Detroit's not playing for anything. They're they're not a good playoff team. That is all correct, but that has nothing to do with how the Jets played. They didn't they they well, played with pace and energy. It enables you to play with pace and energy. Uh I, I disagree. I think re, you, you don't think playing against a worse team than you allow Arizona in January, I have to fly back to they just circled Arizona and they started goofing around. They won it two one. But when you play against the worst team, you get to do things because you're not under pressure. You have more space, you have more time. Josh Morrissey can step into the lane and go, Hey, that's Dubois on the backside. Zip, it's across, boom, it's in the goal. Here's okay, my that was the Jersey to- game, but you take my point. You can do more things because they aren't as good as you are. They play with pace and energy against Columbus? Well, sometimes that's a worse team than Detroit. Yeah. And they lost both games. And that's why that's, that's your most disheartening loss of the year. So my point is it's not about the other team. It's about how you play. It's about how this team plays and they're not going to win every game. And they're, they're not going to, but when you lose to teams like San Jose and, and Columbus, three, nothing to San Jose is they're no as bad as it gets. They're no worse than Detroit on some kind. Well, the worst teams than Detroit, but Detroit, but it's the pace and energy that this team played with was the difference. And I get it. I'm, I'm not discouraging the fact that Detroit flew across, played the night before. They're not very good. What I'm trying to emphasize in is you could have brought in Tampa Bay again. When they played Tampa Bay and they won twice, they had pace and energy. When they lost to Boston twice and once was with six guys, regulars out of the lineup, they yep. played with pace and energy and they lost 3-2. I know it's an overturm saying, but that, no, to have that, I'm thinking of the T-shirt I'm going to make for the Jim Toth show. But this like, and energy. But against San Jose, nothing. Yeah, no, it's it's. I absolutely would argue true. Like the games against Minnesota, nothing. But in the first two months of the season, when you go into Colorado and you're down and you come out with a win, it's because you in the third period got your say Stuff it with together. me. You know, so you lose to Columbus, you lose to teams like that. But to me, that's why the Detroit thing. Fair enough, they're not a good team. But to me, Friday was all about the Jets and how they play. This all sounds like the resume of a middling team, borderline playoff team. And that's, I mean, that's where the Jets are. They're two points clear of Calgary. And as one of the texters says, they have to beat Calgary plain and simple. They beat Calgary. Calgary could come in tied on points with the Jets. They beat Calgary. They're two points clear with a game in hand. And Winnipeg's remaining schedule plays out beautifully. Beautifully. Uh, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So they have one back-to-back. That's against Minnesota. Minnesota also on a back-to-back, so no advantage there. Average, I I just went to do this because I was curious. 
who's got the best schedule on the way in because Nashville's schedule is brutal. So Nashville five back with two to go. I don't even think is in the mix. Their average team that Nashville play has 96 points right now today. That's a brutal schedule when you get Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, Winnipeg, Calgary, Minnesota, Colorado. It was nice having you, but we're not going to see the mustard yellow in the playoffs at all. Winnipeg's average opponent has 85 points. Calgary's average opponent has 72 points. Calgary has a bit of a schedule advantage, but Winnipeg gets the head-to-head with Calgary on a back-to-back. So as much as we talked about 16 games in January and, God, this is a real slog and la-la-la, you heard from Blake there, one game in five days uh, around the San Jose game kind of set us up for these kind of performances. You have two days off, and you're taking on a Calgary Flames team at home who's played the night before. You have two days off, and you're playing Nashville Saturday night in your own barn. You have a day off, and you have San Jose coming to town. Oh, they cannot get 3 nil by San Jose in that one. You can, can you imagine? You should be, given the schedule of those other two teams and the fact that San Jose, San Jose, you should get six points this week if you keep playing like you did in the past two games. Absolutely. And cruising to the playoffs and just waiting to see how it all settles at the top is Vegas, L.A. And, and this show today has even had pace and energy. Whew. T-shirts available at Spreadshirt.com. Come and make a T-shirt these days.